Hi there, Marisa Lamus, back to the drawing board. I've decided to talk to you about disruptions today, since this is an issue that touches so many people. It even touches me from time to time, which is a bit ironic, trying to lecture others on something that I haven't completely tackled myself. So, disruptions can take two forms. They can be either imposed or self-imposed. Well, three forms, actually. I'll let you know in a minute what I mean. Imposed disruptions often appear in the modern corporate workplace. You're asked to do something that is urgent until something else comes up that is even a greater priority. And uh, by the time you're done with the greater priority, you're out of time to tackle your original priority. A classic lose-lose situation for any poor soul that may end up between what sounds and more certainly feels like a hammer and an anvil. This isn't the case everywhere, of course, as I have personally come across instances of companies where doing the right thing wasn't just comprised of some words on the walls, but rather it was continuously manifested in all facets of their everyday operations. But these exceptions are generally far and few between. Oftentimes, you may impose disruptions upon yourself. You work, 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 decide to take a five-minute break to gather your strength, and before you realize it, you're on social media wasting time. <laughs> a couple of years ago, I would have probably said you're on Facebook wasting time, but nowadays, all social media, even LinkedIn, are full of useless junk. <laughs> Someone among my connections on LinkedIn uploaded a cat video the other day talking about a complete lack of perception. Make sure you know the medium before posting. And then thirdly, there are of course those times where disruptions can occur by being both imposed and self-imposed, all at the same time. Consider this scenario. You're working happily at your desk, thinking that you have complete control over your life. Suddenly, a colleague drops by, asking for your help. Common sense implies that if there's a chance that this disruption will lead to you losing a deadline, you will decline to even listen. Chances are, however, that you will most... Uh, chances are that doing so will most likely erode corporate value instead of adding to it. Since while listening and trying to come up with a way to help your colleague, neither of you is effectively producing anything. If you don't listen and continue on with your work instead, at least one of you will produce something in the meantime. For better or worse, however, very few of us, if any, can claim that they can always act rationally, which is why so many financial market theories aren't applicable in real life. The fact of the matter is that we all act emotionally, not logically. And hence, yes, you will help that colleague, for either of two reasons. Out of fear of being branded as someone who's not a team player, or because you know that you will be seeing them again and again in the company and you wouldn't like to be the cause of their misery.
Or a third reason just came up to my mind, because you would like to give them reason to help you back some time out of fear of running into trouble yourself. Whatever the case may be, disruptions are very real. They're an integral part of life. Realistically speaking, you can't control them every time. There are two effective ways to tackle them in the modern corporate environment. Most corporates do not apply either of these solutions, as unfortunately, <laughs> short-term myopia often overshadows long-term strategic planning. But here they are. Either you define a leader for each of those projects that are way too important to be disrupted. Pass the message to everyone that these projects are important, that is. And separate the team physically from the rest of the company to ensure that the goodwill of its members isn't taken advantage of by others. If the team is then delayed in any way due to outside influences, it would be your duty to assume responsibility for late day delivery and protect your team. Or, alternatively, you can build some slack into your budgets simply because you know that life happens and unforeseen circumstances arise all the time. An issue that often, oftentimes arises in these cases is that people only build calendar time slack in their budgets, not work time slack. Assuming that uh, their employees can instantly switch from one task to the, next, uh, to the next. Couldn't be farther away from reality, by the way, as I'm sure many of you know. Well, unfortunately, what my experience has shown is that organizations, instead of following either of the two approaches in each project, usually <laughs> mix and match at random, ending up satisfying no one. And this is all due to the fact that we've been instilled with a peculiar culture which, some, which assumes that building slack into our budget is a sign of weakness rather than a sign of pragmatism. So, next you go back to the drawing board to build a budget. First, make sure that it is applicable to real-life situations. Because disruptions are ultimately unavoidable. <laughs>